Well, hello and welcome, everybody. This is your host, Ken D. Foster, and welcome to the Voices of Courage show. Today, I'm calling the show The Courage to Have Conversations with Oneness. Oneness, think about that. This is a concept that's been around for a little while. And if you haven't tuned into it, well, today is a great day to learn about it. You see, I have my guest today is Neil Donald Walsh from Conversations with God, and he's done about 20 plus other books, and also Steve Farrell. I'll be introducing him in just a minute. But imagine this. Imagine if we could really solve some of the world's greatest challenges. Challenges like poverty, climate control, uh, climate uh, warming, uh, challenges like uh, prison reform, challenges we have with connecting one another and maybe healing the past in our some of our histories so we can really come together in community and diversity and really feel each other in a way that there's no longer this oh maybe competitive instead of collaboration effort that's going on out there maybe you can step into a part of yourself that's that place that knows the truth and what if we all did that Would we be able to stop homelessness, stop wars, stop some of the biggest challenges we have on the planet? We're going to discuss that and a whole bunch more today and come up with some solutions for you that maybe you can shift the way you think, maybe even shift the way you show up so that you become part of the great solution that's taking place on the planet today. All right, I'll be right back. And uh, when I come back, I'll be introducing my guests. Here we go. Well, welcome back uh, to the uh, show after the break. Hey, it's so nice to have you in the studio with me, Neil Donald Walsh and Steve Farrell. Welcome, both of you. Well, thank you, Ken. It's lovely to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. It's such an thank honor. Thank you. To have me too. Here. You know, it, it really is. Uh, you both have done some amazing work to really help people unite uh, in, uh, in a sense of oneness. Um, Steve, let me start with you and, and introduce you so... My audience knows who you are. Uh, Steve Farrell is the co-founder and worldwide executive director of Humanities Team, a nonprofit organization based in Boulder, Colorado. The organization is focused on helping people throughout the world awaken their deeper self and interconnectedness of everything in the universe. And Steve is a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and lives in Boulder, Colorado with his wife, Stephanie, and two teenage uh, children and a dog. That is so cool, Steve. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again for having me, Ken. Nice to be here with you. So good to have you. And <clears throat> although most people probably know Neil Donald Walsh by now, um, let me let you know that he is the author of 29 books. He is a modern day spiritual messenger whose words have touched all of us in profound ways. With his early interest in religion and a deeply felt connection to spirituality, Neil spent the majority of his life thriving professionally, yet searching for a spiritual meaning, experiencing uh, uh, which 
eventually turned into his experience with a, a conversation with God. And that turned into the books, Conversations with God, which have been translated in about 37 languages. Neil, welcome to the show. Well, once again, thank you, Ken. It's lovely to be here. Steve, I'd like to start with you. Um, by all accounts, you were living a good life. And uh, so why did you leave corporate America to pay, play this role in creating uh, consciousness, uh, the consciousness movement, creating oneness in the world? What, what happened there? This was back in the mid-90s. In fact, Neil's uh, first Conversations with God book, Conversations with God book one came out, which spoke to me. It, uh, the, the God of my understanding was speaking through this book, sharing that uh, we're all one, that we're all, all of life in the universe is a part of one thing, the creator, God, the divine life, cosmos, whatever word we want to use. Uh, you know, astronomers have talked about the Big Bang, right, for forever that were there was one thing uh, very small it blew up and it's actually breathing now so in a sense uh neil's book wasn't breaking new ground if you look at the science that was out there uh metaphysical teachings even sacred text uh but it's it's distilled it's, it was down it distilled down into one book these important messages as you mentioned ken and you opened the show that we're all one but much more than that uh, that our basis is uh, is love, actually. Uh, so things like compassion uh, come naturally if we kind of strip away all of the things that the dirt sort of that covers us from the time that we grew up and in, in, uh, from a, from a young person. Uh, we, you know, it's it's really love that's underneath. And of course, this isn't new wisdom either. That we have a, a everlasting life. Uh, that we have unlimited capacity. So so I. Uh, I, I had to make the decision, Ken, uh, between am I Steve Farrell in one body in one lifetime or am I this everlasting person with unlimited potential? The divine is my uh, is my parent. And I, uh, I I realized it was the latter, not the former. And then my whole life had to change when I made that decision. Hmm. You know, if somebody's listening to this for the first time and they're they're in a place where, you know, they go to church, they listen to the preacher, they, you know, they they're good people. They, you know, do go to work, come home, you know, play with the kids. Um, what's the difference of that life in the life you have today? Everything, everything. Keep in mind, as you mentioned, I was an entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, live in the American dream. I started a company with used furniture, two guys. We grew at 75 million and then a second company that we grew to 75 million. So I was living the American dream with all of enjoying all the toys with all of the friends that enjoyed those toys. And I can tell you very honestly that it's a mirage, the whole American dream thing, because it's always wanting more and more and more, and there's no there there. Whereas where, we, where we're conscious and living, there's, there's more than this aspect of oneness that's involved. But where we're living consciously, uh, this is where we find true prosperity. You wanna have a happy marriage, a, a loving home, uh, friends that are fantastic, a life that's amazing, healthful, joyful, well-being, et cetera, et cetera, live consciously. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he, this is where you'll find the real thing, real prosperity, uh, not not the American dream thing. Yeah, that's really good. And, and Neil, um, I'd like to ask you a question around that same subject. Uh, you were you were 
thriving, you know, and living the American dream and doing your thing. And then all of a sudden you had this, <laughs> this awakening, this conversation. Um, as a result of that, how, how has your life changed? How, how, how have you changed as a result of the awakening that you had? I haven't changed one single solitary bit. I'm the same horrible person I was 35 or 40 years ago. I have no friends that I can count on. My family hates me and nothing is going right. So I don't know what to tell you. It's been a horrible, horrible nightmare from beginning to end. Well, let me, let me, go ahead. I like to give unexpected answers to predictable, to predictable questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ken, to be to be to be serious for a minute, I guess my life has changed in in the way that it's allowed me to experience a whole different reason for getting up in the morning. Really, a whole different reason for allowing myself to encounter what life in the physical mm-hmm. causes us and invites us to encounter. It's not an easy trip. You know, uh, what you didn't mention uh, is what caused me to have my conversation with God. Most people who have read the book know about that, but uh, for those who don't, I I wound up living on the sidewalk for a year. I was a street person uh, because I I was given the triple whammy. I talked about the, the, the things that life invites us to experience. I experienced what I call the triple whammy. My relationship at the time, my marriage at that time to a very lovely, lovely person ended, mostly through fault of my own. So I was separated from my wife and children. At the same time, in the same week, five days later, I was downsized by the company for which I worked. Not because I you know, didn't, didn't, didn't perform well, <clears throat> excuse me, didn't perform well, but because the, uh, the, the company was losing uh, income and they needed to you know, lop off some overhead. And I was the last guy in, I had no seniority, last in, first out. So now in, in a five-day period, I'm losing my relationship and I'm losing my job. That wasn't enough. The triple whammy, three days after that, a gentleman turned in front of me as I was driving down the road, made a left turn right in front of me, and we had a terrible automobile accident in which my neck was broken. And it wasn't a hairline fracture, uh, Ken. It was a the described, uh, I mean, I'll never forget the wording of the x-ray, a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seventh cervical vertebrae posteriorly. That's a fracture large enough to put a pencil through. And so the, the surgeon said to me, you know, when I woke up from my treatment, he said, you are a lucky guy. Most people die instantly from this kind of an injury because it's millimeters, micromillimeters away from your spinal cord. But somehow you manage to avoid both death and any kind of long-term paralysis. So the real question for you, Neil, is what are you going to do with your life? Because you've been given a gift here today. He said, I've been doing this kind of surgery for years. And 99% of the people who walk in with that kind of an injury leave here on a you know on a pla- on a on a pallet they, they take them to the morgue so i <clears throat> had to look at you know where i was going to go from there but it wasn't an easy trip ken to make a long story longer i'm walking around i was I, I'm trying to find a job i was wearing this philadelphia collar which is a therapeutic device that keeps your head up 
nobody would hire me again because and finally after trying to find a job in like in literally 20 or 30 different places one man finally was at least honest with me he said mr walsh with that contraption around your neck you're a walking insurance claim we can't hire you right now if you make one wrong move you're going to be on our insurance policy for the next 15 years so we can't do it so i realized okay i'm out of work and i'm and i'm and i'm out of money and i'm so I wound up having to live on the sidewalk. I was tossed out of my apartment, evicted. I, I understand. I, I couldn't pay it and pay the rent in a couple of months. So the guy had to ask me to leave. Now I'm living on the sidewalk. I had nowhere to go. I, was, I couldn't go back to my marriage because my wife had asked me to leave the house, and I agreed to do that, never thinking that I would never have any place to go. But the little apartment that I rented was out from under me as quickly as I could imagine. So there I was living on the sidewalk and asking people for dimes and dollars and asking them for coins. And that caused me to take a real look at what's really important in my life. And that changed everything. I sat down and I wrote a very angry letter to God. I mean, one night I woke up and I was writing this angry letter. What does it take to make life work? Okay, I give up. You know, obviously there's something I don't understand, the understanding of which would change everything. What is it? If, I don't want to play anymore. If you're not going to give me the answer, please give it to me in one sentence or less because I don't want to play anymore. So that's what's caused me to sit down and have my on paper dialogue with God. I was just writing an angry letter to God, never imagining, of course, that I would receive answers to my questions. But I did. And I wrote down the answers because I wanted to keep track of what I was hearing because it sounded so extraordinary. And that turned into what later became a book called Conversations with God. The rest, as they say, is publishing history. Well, the rest, they say, is publishing history. And um, so many people have read, millions of people have read those books. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I have so many questions for you, but I, I tell you what, I got to take a break. And when we come back, um, I am going to ask you both about this concept of oneness, of you know, of what, what does that really mean? And how do we apply that practically in our lives uh, for those uh, that really want to make some change in this, in this society? So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Ken Foster, and I'm talking with Neil Donald Walsh and Steve Farrell, and we're talking about consciousness, about oneness, about uh, awakening up and uh, some of the solutions that uh, might be able to be had by listening to this if you uh, if you're really serious about uh, making the changes in this world that we need to make. Um, Steve, let me jump over to you with that question on oneness. Um, you know, what, uh, let's just talk about oneness. What does it mean? Um, where does it come from? How do we apply it in our lives? Let's go there. 
So let me start out by saying this is this isn't an esoteric thing at all. Mm -hmm. This is the most practical thing that we could one could talk about, especially if we're wanting to talk about living a good life with our family and on the planet and to the end of our lives. It's it's maybe the most important, most urgent thing that we could talk about. Uh, so now, as I mentioned, uh, Neil's books, Conversations with God, is very clear, extremely clear on oneness, where we're that there's one presence or one essence, one energy, and that we're also, Neil likes to use this uh, metaphor of the ocean, which is a nice metaphor, and we're waves onto the ocean. So we're even where we crash onto the shore at the beach, we recede back into the ocean. We're, we're really a part of one energy. We're offspring of one. Now, now this isn't so radical, right? Because we all grew up with, we're, we're a part of the, that we're the image and likeness of God, right? So this is what this isn't radical at all. As well, when you dig into the Bible and other sacred text, uh, philosophy uh, with Ken, Ken Wilber, uh, with all quadrants, all levels, integral theory, and now science with, from quantum physics, from biology, you know, from chemistry, uh, et cetera. Uh, there's, there's, there are endless books, documentaries, et cetera, coming out that use, that say that we're one, we're part of this one thing, uh, the creator the universe, cosmos, they use different terms. They say we're sovereign to one body, more kind of uh, science-based terms, but it's exactly the same thing that Neil's sharing or Conversations with God shares. So uh, the Conversations with God books just makes it easy in, in just a real nice, simple, readable uh, dialogue to really get what is being shared. But these messages have been around for millennia uh, and even science back uh 75 years ago was bringing forward this notion of oneness. So now in oneness uh, that we're just, uh, and many of your viewers, I assume are conscious, right? So we know that we're a part of, we're offspring of one. So when we look out on the world, I'm looking out a window now, uh, it feels like it's more of the sacred than before we became conscious, where we're looking out more left brain, Gantt charted, of, I've got these sales targets. I need to get this done. I can check this off. Now I'm going to get this done. So that's more the uh, unconscious or lower level of consciousness living versus when we're living in oneness, we really get that and live into, you could call it the being state of this oneness that we're a part of the sacred, this ocean that's around us, that's sacred. It's on even the earth itself, animal life, plant life uh, is sacred and, and, and we're a part of it. So just like, let's bring it back to a family uh, in a family where you're part of a family, there's a connection, right? You feel the connection. Where there's connection, there's responsibility. If you're mature, well, I'm connected to the, this family. I'm going to be responsible. And then if we're mature, where there's positive action, right? These three things go together. So all we're doing is taking those fence posts and moving them out to where instead of just the nuclear family, it's the whole of the earth and the world around us. And it, it doesn't mean we're going to do everything because we can't, but we'll do something. There's some from our station in life. There are things that we're called to do. So it's very practical. And as I mentioned. Uh, the prosperity in terms of how you live and how you feel is off the charts. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was up at uh, Crazy Horse in uh, South Dakota, uh, which is the uh, sculpture on the side of the mountain of Crazy Horse, the only Indian that never signed a treaty with the United States. And um, he's being honored up there, a beautiful monument up there. But one of the things that um, I was uh, pervy to is one of the dancers uh, doing the hoop dance 
And uh, she spoke to the audience uh, a little uh, before she did her dance. And she, she just mentioned that, you know, we call everybody our relatives. We, you know, our, our, your, you know, grandmothers are, you know, they can be from any family, can be our grandmothers or our aunties or, our, you know, it, it is that concept of we are all one. Neil, I'd like to um, expand on that a little bit. How, what's your take on this, you know, this oneness? And maybe there's, you know, what are the practical ways that we can apply this to really connect with one another in a, maybe in a greater way? Let me answer the first part of your question, if I might. Uh, I agree, of course, with everything Steve just said. I would add to that, and I would add to the what the wonderful lady said at the Monument of Crazy Horse. Not only are we all relatives, uh, that there really is no, no separation between us. It's not just about our grandmothers and our aunties and other people on the earth. It's about the trees, the grass, the flowers the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea. I don't want to complicate the issue, but I want to make it clear that we are one with everything. And the largest problem on our planet today is that most people are not aware of that, or if they are aware of it, they do not know the answer to your second question, which is how to apply it. So how do you apply the fact that you're one with a tree outside in your backyard? How do you apply the fact that you're one with every living thing, with every, and by the way, everything is living. When I say you're one with every living thing, I was made uh, clear in conversations with God that everything is living. If we decide that motion is life, that that which moves is clearly living, then even a rock is living. And God said to me, you don't believe it, I know, because a rock feels like it's an inert object. But if you put a rock under a high-powered microscope, you will see that it's made up of Submolecular particles that are constantly in what? Motion. Constantly in motion. Thank you very much. So that everything is living in that everything is in motion. That that rock is nothing more than a miniature version of the solar system, of in fact, of the cosmos. So now we see that there is really only one energy manifesting in a multiplicity in a countless number of forms but it's the same energy, simply individuated. So what I was told in conversations with God is that individuation does not equal separation. And when we understand that individuation does not equal separation, then we understand the mystery of the snowflake. There are no two snow Science tells us there are no two snowflakes alike. Never have been, never will be in the entire cosmos. But when they land, they wind up forming a snow bank. And suddenly we call it the snow. We don't call it, there's a bunch of snowflakes. We say there's a snow bank because, because we see them, the, the oneness, and we see metaphorically the melting of each, of each uh, snowflake into the mass that we call a bank of snow. It's a metaphor, of course, but the point I'm making is that we are, in fact, snowflakes in the cosmos of God. We are individuated and there are no two alike but we are not in any way separated from each other. Now, how do we put that into practice? What does that mean as a practical matter? Mm -hmm. What it means is simply, I hate to get so simplistic here, but what it means is that what I do for you, I do for me. And what I fail to do for you, I fail to do for me. Somebody far more wise and more adept with words than I will ever be put this more poetically a few years ago when he said, 
do unto others as you would have it done unto you. Mm. Because mm. guess what? It is being done unto you. Mm. What mm. goes around comes around. And most of us, as we live our lives, have discovered sometimes ruefully and sometimes joyfully and happily that that is true. So how we apply it in our lives is we, at least how I apply it. In, I'm not going to try to give advice to other people, but how I apply it in my life. Every time I see any other thing, a tree outside the window, a person across the room, a star in the sky, I think, there go I. There I go again, demonstrating another aspect of the totality that I call divinity. And if I see divinity in what I'm looking at, and treat it as divine, even if it's a person with whom I disagree, even if it's a person with whom I have tremendous disagreements. But if I can resist the temptation to judge, condemn, and punish that person, which of course is what we've been taught that God does to us, that's the challenge. We've been taught of a God who judges, condemns, and punishes. So we feel free to do the same thing because we're simply we're just acting like God we're just, you know, we are made in the image and likeness of God, as Steve mentioned. So we get to judge, condemn, and punish as well, because we're simply modeling the behavior that God has uh, exhibited in interactions with us. But what if we're wrong about that? What if it turns out that, in fact, our fundamental information about God is inaccurate? What if God judges, condemns, and punishes no one? Because God would only be judging, condemning, and punishing an aspect of itself, since there's nothing else but God in varying forms. Again, as Steve said, we are like waves on the ocean of God. A wave, if you've ever been on an ocean liner and stood you know, on, on, the, on the deck of an ocean liner and watched the beautiful waves arising from the ocean, we see that the wave is not something other than the ocean. It's not separate from the ocean. It's simply an individual arising of the ocean. And it arises in magnificent, beautiful, powerful form. And when that singular expression is complete, the wave recedes back into the ocean whence it came. Mm. A perfect metaphor mm. that illustrates that. our relationship with that. God. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, we, I've got to take a break. And um, when we come back, uh, Steve and, and uh, Neil, I'd like to uh, discuss a little bit uh, about maybe it seems like we have uh, still to this day an identity crisis of who we really are, even though we're talking about it. And I, and I, what I sense is that when you're listening to this right now, my audience listening to it, their energy is being awakened. They're, they're in a place in a little higher vibration. I bet you're, you're feeling that my audience right now. Yes, I know. I see you out there. So um, what happens when we leave this, we leave this energy and we walk away, then what? All right, we'll be right back. We'll discuss that.
Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm talking with Neil Donald Walsh and Steve Farrell. If you just joined us, and um, you know, I had uh, I mentioned before the break, we there's a piece about this identity crisis. Well, you know, we've been told by all the sages of uh, just about every religion that we we are made in the image of God. We are pure soul, pure spirit, and yet we seem to forget that we and, and a lot of times we just we. Yeah, now we forget. We just don't remember who we really are. Um, how can we? How can we overcome that? How can we stop this ego from attacking me? I'm not sure what it is. But Steve, I'll throw that to you. Yeah, go ahead, and then we'll get the comment from Neil too. Carry this energy with you. Carry it with you for the rest of your life. Carry it with you into the night. Carry it with you as you sleep. Carry it with you from the moment you wake up all day long. One, because this true prosperity of which I speak will find you. And the words that I put to it won't, aren't doing it justice. You'll see that and feel that yourself. Two is there's hand wringing all over the planet right now of, oh my gosh, now in addition to the Ukraine, we've got shooters in the US, we've got Supreme Court decisions, there, there's political polarity, there's climate change. It seems like it's over the top on and on this is just gets the conversation started there's a lot of worry and stress there's an anxiety about especially as we consider our kids and our kids kids and guess what the answer is right here under our nose it's right here right now what what we're calling to live consciously okay and when we live consciously these things that neil and and i are speaking about where we really understand ultimate reality so one, oneness is ultimate reality. It's not, we're not trying to create oneness here. Let's be clear. We're, we're saying that these, this, uh, these, these illusions of I'm separate from you and, and the, the God is up in the sky uh, and the and trees are over here. We're saying these are illusions because if, in, if indeed we're all one, then it, this separation thing is an illusion. So what we're doing when we live consciously is we push these illusions aside. We, we live into the fullness of who we are. Uh, so it's it's the divine expressed, or you could even say divinity expressed, which is this whole thing that's incredibly fulfilling where we're living that way, more from the right brain than from the left brain, more from the heart than we're not of the heart. Uh, and again, we're, uh, we're now we're bringing a real gift to the planet. And at this time with all that's going on on the earth, uh, isn't this the greatest gift that we could live for ourselves and for and collectively where we stop the handbring, where there are these discussions of, oh, my gosh, and this and this and this. And we say, hey, you know, let's talk. About, I mean, there's a simple solution here. There are many of us conscious all over the planet. You know, let's just live into the fullness of who we really are. Ultimate reality is it really is and experience that for ourselves and then create a, a world that is this. Well, I'm 100% with you there, so I'd, I'd love to create that world, and that's what we are doing right now. Neil, um, you're, you're just thoughts. Yeah, you know, I think uh, years ago I heard you speak at a Science of Mind church in San Diego when uh, Conversations of God first came out. And um, uh, you had talked about identity crises back there. I'm not my hair. I'm not my car. I'm not my this. I'm not my that. Um, today, you <laughs> know, not a lot of change. I look around and I go, well, there's a lot of people that still think that they are their accomplishments. Um, how do we change that? How do we step into something greater than that? 
I think by looking at the evidence of our lives mm. that shows us that what we thought that we are, or what we currently think that we are, mm -hmm. simply by and large, not, not that, that it never, but by and large, is not working. Mm. That, that what we had hoped to achieve by claiming our identity as that, my stuff, my things, my accomplishment, my title, the name of the door, the name of the building, whatever I thought I was, even ordinary labels, husband, father, you know, Christian, Catholic, Jew, Muslim, whatever, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever, whatever labels we, we attach ourselves to, we find that, that those labels simply have not worked. And that is stepping into the living of those labels simply has not worked in the sense that it has not brought us the kind of life that we had hoped it would bring us, which is why we see so much upheaval on the planet today, Ken. You know, the, the number one condition on the planet right now, I can put into one word, alienation. I've never seen so much alienation in, in my 80 years. Uh, I'll be almost 80 soon. And I, I've never seen so much alienation in my lifetime. Again, one group, religion against religion, alienated from each other. Nationalities, alienated from other nationalities, the rich and the poor, the blacks and the white, the gays and the straights, even men and women. It's conservatives and liberals. I mean, <laughs> alienation, uh, such vitriolic nature in some cases that it causes even more and greater injustice than we could ever have imagined would be visited upon our daily experience. Yeah. So the, the, the question is, if we were not so alienated from each other, could we finally join together in finding mutual solutions? You know what's, what's interesting about the pandemic that we went through the past 24 months that we're still in, in experiencing in part? What's, what's, what's unbelievable is that we couldn't even agree nation with nation how to share the medication. <laughs> we had, we had, we had, impossible we found it impossible to ship the medication from one country to the next without having to go through unbelievable obstacles just to get certain medications and, and certain help and that, that's not the first time we can't even get help of other kinds to people do you realize that there are 1.8 billion people on this planet today who have never had one drop of pure water mm. in their lifetime there are 2.5 billion people on the planet today who don't have indoor plumbing, who don't have electricity. In this time of so-called advancement, we call ourselves an advanced civilization, and we can't even stop 653 children from dying of starvation every hour. I said every hour. That's a true statistic. I'm not just throwing numbers out here. Check it. Check out what I'm saying. I've done the research. This is what's going on. Now, you ask ourselves, what could stop this from happening? The same thing that stops us from telling Uncle Joe, who shows up at the front door, surprisingly, unexpectedly, on Thanksgiving Day. Hey, I, I heard you guys were having a Thanksgiving dinner. Might I join you? I, I, I was just happy to be driving through this town. I live in Southern California, but could I join? Oh, of course, uncle, come in. There's always enough for more. And by the way, we don't run into the kitchen and make more food. We simply take the food that's already been prepared and share it with one more. 
because Joe is a member of the family. It's quite simple. We act that way with those we love. All we have to now do is decide that everyone is family. And it's a simple decision. Well, I, I sense that uh, pain is a great motivator of mankind. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we've, we've reaped a lot of pain on so many. And, and it's, there's a lot of suffering in the world. And what I'm hearing you say is open our hearts, open our generosity. But there's something deeper in the message. It's, it's open yourself up. It's, it's learn who you are, who I am, and, and why I'm here. It, it seems like that piece is there too. Steve, I'll throw that back at you. What, what's your thought on that? And then I also want to, you know, we're actually running out of time. So I'll have to go quick on that because I want to talk about the summit that's coming up. Right. So let me speak to everybody's future here. It sounds like an interesting thing. Uh, so in Conversations with God and in many books, especially for mediums, people are probably familiar with mediums that talk to the afterlife, that bring in loved ones with things that nobody would know. Uh, they, they share the same thing that Conversations with God shares. That at the end of your life, there'll be a life review. And no, it's not the life review of, oh, boy, these things were terrible, and now we're going to go burn, or this was fantastic. You know, this is a meritocracy, and you're going to go live on a fluffy cloud. The life review is that you're seeing yourself through other people's eyes during important parts of your life. What, what they were feeling, what they were thinking, what, what, they, what, what, what they were getting from your expression. And then you're, as you're feeling this, these other people looking at you through the course of your life, you're saying, oh, my God, this was so beautiful. I'm, you know, I'm glad that I was that. Or frequently now, I could have done better than that. I really could have done better than that. So, so this is, there's no bank account. There's no automobile. There's no mansions. There are no vacations. Uh, this is not part of the life review. So as we're living our life, and then at the end of our life, when we go through a life review, what, why don't we uh, enjoy this oneness, this conscious thing of which we are a part? And then it's a twofer at the end of our life, experience it all over again of, my God, you know, I wasn't perfect, but that was pretty good. I, I like what I did there. So, so just uh, let, as we're considering your question, Ken, of when we walk away from this program, who are we going to be? Consider that. That's good. I have um, a mantra that I offer people in one sentence. Whenever anything happens in my life, a little tiff with my darling wife or a, a, a bad accident or whatever it might be uh, in my life, I simply ask myself a simple question. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Hmm. Can I invite people to simply ask that question? At various, whether you're watching the news, hearing a statement from a politician with which you dramatically disagree, or encounter something that's really joyful and wonderful. I won the lottery. Whether it's good, positive, or unwelcome news, whatever it is, simply ask yourself a simple question. And what well, does this that. have thank, to do with the agenda? What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Yeah. 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 Well, there's an amazing summit coming up. 
And um, I'd like to share this with my audience. Um, it's coming up in October, Steve. I'd like to maybe turn that over to you and uh, give us some insights on what we can look forward to in the summit. Uh, maybe some of the guests that are going to be there. I think you and Neil are going to be there. I know I'll be there. <laughs> so let's go ahead, Steve. So, yes, uh, this is uh, we, the Global Oneness Summit started in 2010. And uh, here we are in 2022 celebrating. It's grown into a full summit. It started out as a global oneness day. And uh, incredible people, as you mentioned, Ken, yourself, Neil, uh, boy, you know, in the transformational education space, most of the folks are coming in and pro bono on their own time uh, freely to be part of the summit. And our theme is uh, birthing a new world. So, which is what we're doing. I mean, if you look at this whole conversation here, we're birthing a new world, aren't we? You know, it's just a whole new way of living in the world. When we talk about education or relationships or healthcare or any other uh, sphere of life, it, we're, we're birthing a whole new world. So there are going to be panels that will be coming in talking about this new world that we're birthing. And some of the speech speakers are spiritual. Uh, Deva Premal uh, and... Uh, and other entertainers that are extraordinary are coming in. We'll be doing live programs. Uh, so it's not going to be a summit where we're just walking, talking heads, you know, back and forth. Uh, there's going to be a lot of experiential, uh, a lot of, uh, of music and entertainment where you can just close your eyes and feel into uh, this whole glorious thing and new world being birthed, oneness, conscious living. Uh, it starts on October 15. It goes to October 24. It's free. So when you go to, I know you're going to, Ken, put up on the screen uh, the, the location you can go to to sign up for the summit. Or you can Google Global Oneness Summit. You're going to go right there. You can go to humanitiesteam.org with a Y, uh, and you can sign up. So there are lots of ways you can sign up. It's free. And then if you miss any of the sessions, and of course you will, because it goes from October 15 to 24, we're, we send out recorded links for 48 hours free viewing. So you can catch all of these amazing speakers and entertainment and experiential exercises and things. That's great. Well, I, I do know a couple of the uh, people that'll be there. I know uh, uh, Stephen M.R. Covey will be there. He's, uh, you know, a best-selling author, Speed of Trust. Now he's got a new book out, Trust and Inspire. He's, boy, I wait to hear that panel. There's also Sharon Lecter from the Napoleon Hill Foundation um, and also Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where she worked with Robert Kiyosaki to co-write 14 books for the Rich Dad series. I know she's there. I think Deepak Chopra is there. Is Deepak coming Deepak in? Deepak Greg Brady, okay. Bruce Lipton, Sam Herman. We Bruce, could, I mean, literally yeah. most of the. Yeah. Greg, Greg Braden. Is Greg Braden back this year, do you think? Is Greg Braden coming back? Greg, Greg Braden is there. He's in the He's opening there. Okay. Actually, the opening panel. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah, and some of the other musicians, I know, uh, I believe we have uh, uh, Beth uh, Grace, uh, Bethany Grace Folsom, who is uh, a savant, a violinist who's played with all the uh, the greats of the world. And uh, so we, yeah, Freddie Ravel, I think, is going to be there. I, uh, there's some amazing people coming in this summit. So just, just, it's, it's going to be amazing. What um, uh, I've got, I've got exactly, I'm out of time. <laughs> I'm out of time. I want to thank both of you for uh, being here and being part of this, uh, this uh, talk today. Uh, I, it's just, my heart is so open and thank you so much, Neil. And thank you so much, Steve. You really, you really made my day and I know you've made the audience's day. Thank you, Ken. It's lovely to have had the opportunity.
Bless yeah. you. Thank you. And good to be with your, your viewers. All righty. Well, till next time, keep searching for and looking for the ability to see the unseeable and know the unknowable and do the impossible. And we do this by remembering who we are. Till next time.